All right. Hey, it is Are You Serious? And we were um, kind of counting. We've lost track. Yeah. Um, is that a good thing? I think it is. We're up to seven. We are a seven podcast now, and people are still saying, "Oh, you're doing a podcast now. That's kind of cool." So yeah. yeah, we're doing a podcast now. We were talking about that um, where people were tweeting at us. When did this become a thing? Yeah, recently, seven yeah. weeks ago. Seven weeks ago, which is crazy to yeah. think about. Uh, you had a busy last week. It was so much fun, and I can't wait to dive into and it. We are definitely going to do it. Yeah, I was down in South Padre Island for the National Tropical Weather Conference. Um, about 110, 115 of some of the brightest tropical mines, and then me, uh, <laughs> in the country down there in South Padre Island. Minus one. Minus one, yeah. Uh, talking everything, hurricanes and hurricane forecasting. Um, so yeah, we're going to be taking a deep dive into that and some really cool stuff. Mm, well, before we start, we always yes. like to say, you know, check in. How's Jamie doing? Jamie's good. Um, feeling good. You know, feeling refreshed. You come back from some of these conferences. Yeah. And plus being at the beach in South Padre Island, that kind of helps. I'm kind of like, all right, let's yeah. let's try some of these new things. So the weather was great, too. The weather was beautiful down there. Um, so, yeah, I'm doing good. Got a lot of ideas swirling around in my head and ready to start making them happen. Oh. Heading into hurricane season. Nice. Yeah. I cut the yard for the first time. Uh, Lawn season is yep, here. Yep. Uh, but doing some yard work too. Still waiting on your garden reveal when that comes. It's, it's slowly. <laughs> slowly but surely. We're getting there. Uh, real quick, we do question of the day. For anyone new here, we want to tell you too, you can like, subscribe, uh, share, comment, all that on YouTube, Spotify, Apple. Yep. We're international now. You showed me this and I was amazed. <laughs> Iran. I think that's one of them. Iran. Ukraine is one of them, too. Yeah. I don't know if that's yeah, like. <laughs> they're down you. in their bunker listening to our podcast. <laughs> so we appreciate uh, whoever that was. Yes. Um, also, um, if you have any questions for us, let us know. We're not answering these today, but this is just a list of what's being piled up. So I love this. There's still plenty to go. Uh, but yeah, I can't believe we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight already that's going to be future episodes that's amazing one of those actually came from it's weird because we don't have a name sunshine 245 on youtube sunshine 245 okay uh says and i i had to think about this what year was the worst weather year for you in the business i don't know if i have one i remember there i remember in eastern kentucky for me there were a couple where it was like consecutive big snows yeah but i don't remember a bad year as far as like it just felt like we were working non-stop all the time you have those events yeah you, you have may have an answer for this stretches but it's hard to pinpoint one year i can pinpoint a couple of months yeah where things were busy a lot of those are hurricane seasons uh we had a winter here winter of 13 14 2013 2014 um one of the more active winters we've seen where we had, if it wasn't, a, we had two big winter storms, one sleet, one freezing rain and snow. Um, but then in between those, we would have just really cold rain or it would flurry or it would sleet, yeah. which around here is still kind of a big deal. And it just went on like that for like three months. Mm. Um, so it was always just kind of a, you know, kind of an exhausting winter. Yeah, you get active just, stretches like that. We had a July a couple of years ago in a really active thunderstorm pattern. We always talk about beware the northwest flow. Yep. Uh, we had northwest flow pattern the entire month of July, and I think every day for two weeks straight, we had severe thunderstorms somewhere in the coverage area. I think that was the very so, first year 
or the year before my first year because yeah. I remember you telling me about yeah, that it, when I, I interviewed. We were probably under a severe thunderstorm watch almost every day for I think ten days. It was just storm after storm after storm was diving. Mm. Yeah, fun. Yeah. But it gets a little tiring. Yeah, tiring. Yeah. You're like, okay, I'll take a high-pressure <laughs> yes. system anytime. Yeah. Uh, also, some questions from college students, which I can't wait Love. to address later yeah. down. Yeah. So that's going to be in future episodes. Um, some of those asking for advice. So maybe we have to yeah. make a whole episode A whole episode on, on, uh, for the folks who want to yeah. get into the business. That would be good. I know we have a weather intern coming in a little bit later this year, yep. this summer. So maybe yep. that could be a yeah, podcast can, with them. Yeah, use him as know. kind of a springboard to... What you need to do to get in this crazy business. Yeah, for sure. Um, real quick, question of the day um, as far as for us. Anything you've been watching lately that you would recommend? <laughs> I probably wouldn't recommend it, but Uh-oh. I'll tell you what I have been watching. Um, it's a British gardening show. <laughs> I know. This is the exciting life of Jamie. It's called Gardener's World. They're celebrating their 50th year this on the on air. Netflix. Um, it's on Prime. Okay. Um uh, they're celebrating their 50th year, and uh, it is the most relaxing show. It's almost like watching Bob Ross paint. Remember Bob Ross? Yeah. Like I used to watch that. Yeah. Calm down. This is my new Bob Ross. Um, the guy works in his garden, and he has the most soothing voice and two little golden retrievers to follow him around, and he does kind of chores. And the episodes are set up starting at the beginning of the gardening year, dead winter yeah. all the way through the end so i'm kind of watching episodes that correspond with where we are right now so okay. the april episodes are kind of where i'm at and it gives me ideas on what to do in the garden what i should be doing that's what i'm doing that's my sad boring life and that is why the garden reveal is taking a little bit longer yes because i keep because coming up with new so ideas i'm like oh i gotta do this now oh that's funny um for me i've been watching ted lasso on apple tv uh, of, course. of course and then um shrinking on apple tv it's really good okay. check it out um harrison ford jason siegel has a great cast um all right we're gonna dive into it because Let's there is get... one year or one time of the year where we don't get to watch any tv yes and that is hurricane <laughs> season uh you went down to like you said south padre island walk us through just what this conference was like because it's different than most typical weather conferences yeah it, it is it's different in the in the best way possible so as far as in our field you have kind of two professional groups, the American Meteorological Society uh, and the National Weather Association. They both have annual meetings, and they're great, and they're fantastic, but they're massive. I know at the AMS meeting, a lot of times you can have over 1,000 attendees, and the weather runs the gamut from you know snowstorms in upper Michigan to thunderstorm flash flooding in the southwest yeah. deserts or whatever. All great stuff, but this one... The National Tropical Weather Conference, as we mentioned, about 100 of us, and it's nothing but hurricanes. Oh, and it's folks awesome. that focus on hurricanes, that work at the National Hurricane Center, uh, that work in TV markets that focus on hurricanes. So it's it was four days of hurricanes. And the biggest names in the hurricane field. The biggest names. Are there. Yes. And we get to talk about some of those. We get to talk about them, and we get we had to got to talk to them like it was it was crazy so let me ask i'm going to start with day one because i remember going back through your tweets and i literally printed some of these out as a guideline (laughs) um to what's going through very first day you text me hey i just had coffee with jim cantori had coffee with jim cantori what was that that like uh you know what it was nice and um he's as nice as you think he is he's as much of a weather geek as you think he is um passionate about weather crazy about weather interesting thing um he still wants to chase hurricanes and still wants to cover hurricanes for the Weather Channel, but Ian scared him so bad 
because he had that one incident on the air that you may or may not yep. remember where he was in the middle of a street in Fort Myers and a palm frond uh, came blowing by and kind of clipped his feet. Um, that really shook him. Mm. And he thought, you know, what if that had been a stop sign or a two by four? You know, what if that was something much more dangerous than just a palm frond blowing mm. by? So going forward, we may not see as extreme of a Jim Cantori as we have been. I wonder if that's going to change the weather channels. I don't know. Philosophy and thought yeah. on that too. Um, covering in after that, they sort of retreated back into a parking garage. Yeah, so it was a lot safer. Um, so yeah, he's still going to be out there covering the hurricanes. Maybe not as way out there as it used to be. And hopefully one of these <laughs> days, a podcast guest. Going to work on serious. that. Going to work on that. Come on, Jim. Yeah, pull through. Jim. Yeah. All right. Day one. What was day one like? Uh, day one was great. Um, just kind of getting to know everybody and meeting people. That was my first time attending this conference. Yeah. So just kind of getting to meet people. And a lot of it was just sort of like me in awe of, you know, people mm-hmm. walking by. I'm like, oh, my God, that's that's Brian Norcross. Oh, my God, there's <laughs> Dr. Phil Klotz back. Um, just kind of geeking out to myself. And then, you know, as the day goes by and couple days go by uh you definitely get a lot more comfortable and like i said being such a small meeting you have that chance to be one-on-one yep. with some of these really great influential people in this business it was uh, good one of those we'll talk about a little bit later but the man of the show one of the men of yep. the show is what we look forward to every year not because we look forward to hurricane season but yep. it gives us an idea of what's going to take place, and that is Phil Klotzbach. And Phil Klotzbach. I still have a hard time saying Klotzbach. his name. Yeah, Klotzbach. Um, uh, <laughs> the the genius behind it all. The genius um, who was trained by Dr. Gray. Yep. Um, Dr. Gray was with Colorado State University. Dr. Gray sort of took Dr. Phil Klotzbach under his wing and kind of showed him the ways of making these seasonal forecasts. And every year at the National Tropical Weather Conference is where Dr. Phil – Uh, releases his forecast Mm -hmm. Um, and so to be there as he released it live and sort of went through his reasoning for the forecast for the season was really cool in case you missed it 13 name storms six hurricanes two major hurricanes Uh, the interesting thing is about this season though uh, is that he will tell you he's much more uncertain about Mm -hmm. this forecast than a lot of other ones we basically have two competing factors for this hurricane season uh, El Nino yep. is coming on. El Nino decreases tropical activity in the Atlantic, more wind shear, storms can't really develop. That is being counterbalanced this year by unseasonably and unusually warm weather in the Atlantic, which would increase the amount of storms, increase potentially the intensity of storms. So you have these two competing factors. And what we're going to have to watch for is, you know, if El Nino gets really strong, it may lower those numbers even more and it could potentially be a very quiet season. If El Nino is weak, but these water temperatures stay warm, then it could be a slightly busier season. So that's what we're going to be watching over the next couple months. And what people don't realize too, this isn't a forecast per se. This is an outlook Outlook. to guide us through um, basically the next couple of months. And what outlook really means is, hey, based on everything that we're seeing in the long range, my favorite that you always say is don't take this like the gospel. Yeah. But based off everything we're seeing long range, here's what we're thinking right now. There's a lot of number crunching that goes there's into that. There's a, a lot of number crunching, and there's going to be a lot of changes as yep. well. Like I said, we're just now coming out of La Nina into El Nino, so it's still growing, and there's still a lot of uncertainty about how strong this El Nino becomes. 
Um, the interesting thing is, though, after all of his math and all of his input <laughs> into that, the chances, historical chances, mm -hmm. and this year's chances of landfalls or brushes along the Carolinas didn't change. 30% um, chance of a hurricane within 50 miles of the South Carolina coast this season. Um, the average on any given year is 30%. Yeah. So uh, same thing with Horry County, 21% chance. So a one in five chance, basically, uh, of a hurricane within 50 miles of the Horry County coastline. Um, and that kind of leads back to what we always say with these, you know, forecast updates and these seasonal outlooks. We love them. They're great scientifically. They're wonderful. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean anything if you don't get one or if you do get one. Yeah. You know, we always say it only takes that one. Yeah. You've had very slow seasons with big hurricane hits. You've had very busy seasons with very few hurricane hits. So the science behind it is great. But I don't want you to think, eh, it's going to be an easy season. I don't need to worry about it. Well, yeah, and I saw someone, and I wish I knew who tweeted this because I was watching that conference. It's such a big event when he releases oh, his yeah. forecast. It's huge. You pay for the conference if you want to <laughs> if you want to view all the sessions. But when Field Talks, it's free. It's free, yeah. Everyone can watch. Yep. So I was watching back here, and someone tweeted, hey, a good reminder is there's still going to be hurricanes out in the Atlantic. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. The question is, will there be – multiple waves coming through at the yep. same time will it be more active and that's kind of what we're trying to determine right now yeah right there's right. always going to be those name storms there's always going to be major right. hurricanes right but how many how many is and kind of most the, importantly where they go one of the things we use as meteorologists too that i really like and we won't go into the the nitty-gritty of this but it's analog years yes and analog years can give us a lot of basic understanding of what systems sort of look like based off previous ones we yep. use this a lot in severe weather yep. we have a severe weather setup and it's a cold front warm front interacting we can pull up previous analog years and say hey that looks similar to this date yes you can do that with hurricanes yes which tells us a lot doesn't always tells us our impact right but there was one year, too, where Joaquin was yeah, a 20, South Carolina storm. 2015. So, uh, yeah, these analogs. So, the analogs to this year would be hurricane seasons that had both El Nino mm -hmm. and unseasonably warm temperatures. And the interesting thing about those analogs is they're either really busy yeah. or they're really quiet, which is kind of interesting. You mm -hmm. know, it doesn't... His forecast, again, is for almost a normal season, slightly below normal. But all of those analog years that have a similar setup go either way. There's very little in the middle. One of those analog years, yes, was 2015, where we had the big flood uh, with Joaquin offshore. So, you know, it's, it's going to be an interesting season. And it's going to be interesting to see how both of those, the water temperatures and El Nino, develop over the next couple of months. And there's going to be another four, I think, outlooks issued. Yeah. Um, so this will change. Yeah, yeah. He updates his. Then, of course, we have uh, Noah's, Noah's outlook that's going to be coming out here in a couple of weeks. Um, and I have a feeling it's probably going to be along the same lines. Yeah. They're usually fairly all fairly similar uh, to each other. And typically with these early season outlooks, you're not going to see it swing one way major, one way minor. Yeah. It's going to be usually smack dab in the middle, yep. right near average, yep. maybe slightly above, slightly below, which yep. is what we saw. Um, we'll stop nerding out for a yep. little bit. I loved that Phil acknowledged all the other people doing the same work. He did. And he's it made the me, best. He is. He is. He's, he's so passionate about this, and he's genuinely a nice 
guy. He's a nerd, as you would expect. <laughs> as we all are. We all are. He's a nerd. <laughs> but yeah, at the end of his presentation, I'm glad you printed printed that out. At the end of his presentation, he sort of said, you know, these are, these are the other companies and universities that are issuing hurricane season outlooks and smack dab in the middle at the top of the screen was coastal carolina university i love that yeah. so much and i had no idea yeah yeah we actually did a story about that a couple of years ago i i don't remember what it stands for um but i think they call it the hugo project of course okay. after yeah. you know Makes our sense. impacts from hurricane hugo so we're gonna have to check in with coastal and uh see what they're doing with that i also found it so amazing that a good majority of them are landlocked yeah Penn State, yep. Colorado, Arizona. <laughs> uh, looks like we have either Marquette or Michigan. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. The fascination with hurricanes it's is not just nationwide. here at the coast. Yeah. So really cool for yeah, Phil to see, and I yep. love that. Yeah. Uh, we were talking about the National Hurricane Center. They're there all the time. Yeah. You got to yeah. see some of the stuff of how far we've come, how which is always my favorite part. And when you look back, and this is going to sound interesting and it's it, this is the first podcast i think i came with notes <laughs> since the first one because there Rubbing was so much that i wanted to cover <laughs> you know the national hurricane center has been around forever the forecast cone yeah that we use the love-hate relationship mm-hmm. with the cone of where a tropical storm or hurricane is going to go um all this time later in a huge huge majority of the conference was spent talking about the cone. Oh, man, I'm glad. The cone is complicated. Yeah. It's not perfect. People don't understand it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really good when it's good. Yeah. Um, it causes problems. Yeah. So let's talk about the cone. Uh, I would <laughs> love to. One of the rules that we have, and you'll always see her at WMBF News, and I think we implemented it a couple of years ago, when you look at the National Hurricane Center cone, it will have the middle line of the cone going through. We yeah. no longer show that. We stop showing the center line. Because to the viewer, mm-hmm. it says, here's the middle of the storm, and that's how they're interpreting it. It is. That's when the one cone, of the ways they're interpreting it. Which, which is, just blows my mind. There is so much psychology behind the cone. Believe it or not, there were actually um, a few um, psychologists at the conference who I talked to and who presented on literally the psychology behind the cone. That's wild. What it means, how people interpret it and see it, react to it, um, to try, and it's all in an effort to try to make it better. Obviously, we want to continue to improve the hurricane forecast, and we have, but we got a long way to go. So, in my mind, and I know I'm about to get just schooled by some psychologists, (laughs) I think the most common misconception is... If I'm not in the cone, I'm good. Yes. And, and that is that's is the most common misconception, and that caused really big problems yeah. last hurricane season down around Fort Myers mm-hmm. uh, with Hurricane Ian. And yeah. we're going to talk about that. That's in the world of meteorological psychology, that's called anchoring. And we'll get to anchoring in a little bit. I, I'm telling you, I'm geeking out. So I think we have to do this. Take we a gotta seat. Do this. We got to do this really quick. We okay. got to get into how the cone works and i'm going to throw some numbers out at you but it's i'm not going to make you do do any math so the national hurricane center they make the cone and it's not just like "Mm, let's make the cone kind of like this it's probably going to go in here obviously the hurricane center has to make a forecast Mm -hmm. and their forecast that center line of the cone 
is where the center of that hurricane is going to be. So you take the past 10 years of hurricane forecasts and the forecast of that center point, and you see what the error is. Mm-hmm. How often was it close to that center point? So you go 12 hours out. So we are tracking a hurricane now. Mm-hmm. 12 hours out, the average error for where the center of that hurricane is is only 26 miles. Okay. That's good. Yeah. 26 miles. So you mark that point for where you think the hurricane is going to be, and then you surround it with a 26-mile diameter circle. Okay? Okay. <laughs> you go out 36 hours. Okay. The average error for where the center of a hurricane would be at 36 hours is 53 miles. So you have a 53-mile diameter circle. You go out to 61 hours, that error increases to 81 miles. And finally, at 120 hours, basically five days out, the error is 205 miles. Obviously, the error gets bigger as you go out in time. So if you were to be hand-plotting or hand-making a forecast cone, your first dot would be where you think the storm is going to be, surrounded by that 26 mile radius circle that circle gets bigger as you go out into five days and then you draw you connect the edges of the circle and what do you know you get a cone that is the scientific way of how a cone is made dang yeah which i knew that i knew a little bit of that i didn't know the i didn't know the diameter part right which is all error percentage. It makes sense. Yeah. Not to mention, though, this is where it gets crazy. On day five, you could have an error percentage, you know, in the Atlantic. Yeah. But then three days later, your error percentage is over in Virginia. Right. But at 120 hours, which is five days out, again, that error is 200 miles. So the Hurricane Center plots where they think the storm is going to be because they have yeah. to in order to make these maps yeah. you have to know how good your forecast is so they say the center of the forecast is of the hurricane is going to be here with a 205 mile radius of where it could potentially be 20 years ago that was 450 miles oh wow okay so we're making huge yeah. huge advancements and the cone the width of the cone is gradually shrinking, Yeah, which is really good. That is good. Um, the advancements have also allowed us, remember 20 years ago, roughly 20 years ago, hurricane forecasts only went out three days. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't remember that. Yeah, You would only get a three-day forecast. Now we get a five-day forecast. So we're making um, huge, huge improvements. Um, and every single year, that cone is shrinking consistently for the past 20 years. So after this hurricane season, those numbers will be updated for next to year. Shrink so the 26 year. miles, if it's, a, if it's, hopefully it's a good year and we can get those circles down a little yeah. bit, um, the cone may shrink a little bit more. It's crazy. I didn't know that they were using that for yearly changes to yep. the cone. Yep. That's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. To, and that to is constantly, way over my head. To constantly keep honing in on that cone. The question is, and where the psychology gets to, is are we about to get to the point where we're too good? Is the cone going to get too narrow Yeah. that the psychology behind looking at the cone and forecasting the cone is going to kind of get lost in the message? And we'll go back to Fort Myers last year in the anchoring theory. Yeah. 
If you remember when Ian first developed, the National Hurricane Center put out the very first cone, very first forecast. And the first couple of days following that, the big focus, it looked like it was going in and around Tampa. Mm-hmm. Remember, it, I remember that. T- every national news outlet yep. was in Tampa. It was Tampa, Tampa, Tampa. Storm Tampa surge was the big talk. storm surge. Tampa's going to get flooded. Tampa's going to blow away. It's going to be awful for Tampa. Fort Myers, well south of Tampa, even in those first couple of forecasts, was in the cone, but they were kind of right on the edge. They were out there on the outer edge. Well, a lot of people in that Fort Myers, southwest Florida area, experienced what they call anchoring, where you see the first couple of forecast cones, and it looks like Tampa, and you're like, eh, we're good. And then they literally don't pay attention to it again, Mm. which... (laughs) is really troublesome because as Ian started to get closer and closer to South Florida, the track started to shift south away from Tampa and closer to Fort Myers. Um, And it really wasn't until about 24 hours out that the people in and around Fort Myers were like, oh, (laughs) it's, it's about to get really bad. But the perception, because they weren't in the middle of the cone, they were always on the edge of the cone, was that it's not gonna hit us directly. But we have to keep in mind, with that cone, the center of the storm can be anywhere within that cone. But that's just the center. Hurricanes are big. Ian was a huge hurricane. Massive hurricane. Um, And the impacts extend well outside of the cone. And that's exactly what happened in the Fort Myers area. Woefully underprepared. A lot of evacuation orders not issued in time. And if, the, if they evacuated, it was too late. And, and it was too late. I remember late. the video. So, so the, the death toll from storm surge, unfortunately, in that area was a lot higher, um, really, than it should have been. And a lot of that, that's what's kind of driving this renewed interest in the cone, the psychology behind it, and how to address it. People were talking at the conference about, well, is there another option? And when you really think about it and step back, there's not. Yeah. Is there another way to show where a hurricane is going to go? And there's really not. So we just have to, it's our job, I think, going forward is sort of fine-tuning the forecast and making sure that we're explaining the cone um, and just getting the message across that, you know, it may pass offshore, whatever, but we could still see impacts. And we can talk about Matthew was the perfect example for us in a little bit. I would even think, too, like, even when Ian – move through the Carolinas. Yeah. If you go back, and I can remember the forecast cone, the cone at one point, because it, the storm was already starting to move, it already mm-hmm. made landfall, was in inland. Yeah. The whole cone was inland. Yeah. But arguably, that was one of the worst parts. The north strand mm-hmm. got destroyed. Yeah. We yeah. saw all the wind damage up there. Yeah. Same thing with, you know, landfall and also um, Garden City. Mm-hmm. And, and I think more notably, the biggest example of the cone and how it may, it can be difficult to understand if you go back to 2016 um, with us was Matthew. The original forecast for Hurricane Matthew um, were for it to sort of ride right up the Florida coast and then make the turn and pass just offshore, just mm-hmm. offshore, just offshore. And that was consistently the forecast for where the center yeah. of Matthew was going to go just offshore. Um, then the day of Matthew, it really wasn't until the morning that Matthew hit um, 
that the forecast that it was going to come right up the coast and actually make landfall down around Georgetown became the 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 actual forecast that it was going to make landfall. Um, but the focus, even from our perspective, was, and I think people who were just maybe looking at the cones, like, it's going offshore. It's going offshore. It's going offshore. Mm-hmm. We don't need to worry about it. And you can, you know, remember what happened around here with Matthew. So we've got a long way to go, I guess, bottom line, and sort of portraying the threats and the mm-hmm. message and explaining the cone. Here's something else. It's just fascinating it to it's, me that – yeah. And this could be severe weather. This doesn't have yeah. to be hurricanes. Mm-hmm. Just how the public perceives our graphics. Yeah. Yeah. And is the point getting across? Is the point getting across? Um, the Hurricane Center forecast track for tropical storms and hurricanes and the cone is consistently, consistently for years now, way more accurate than any given yeah. forecast model which made me question how maybe we're going to cover hurricanes in the future. Yeah. Because I think one of the things, and we've all done it, we've all seen it, is, all right, we got a storm out there. It may be a threat six, seven days away. So we're going to show you the European, mm-hmm. which is over here. Yeah. We're going to show you the GFS, which is over here. And then we're going to show you the spaghetti plots, which is 100 different lines going all over the place. Is that valuable to the viewer? Or does that just add to confusion? When in reality... You know, what we're just trying to portray is, okay, there's some uncertainty. It could be here. It could be here. It could be somewhere in the middle. The cone is doing it for us. The cone is showing that. Yeah. And it's not going to have those wild swings that the forecast models are known to have. Yeah. The cone doesn't swing around wildly. You've got a whole National Hurricane Center focused on that one storm and that cone and where it's going to be and yeah it's going to adjust and we've all seen them adjust and change and move around a little bit but you're not going to do sort of the windshield wiper effect that we call that you can get if you look at just the european model of where this storm is going to go it's a really good thought and discussion yeah i'm thinking you don't show outlier model data yeah yeah what's the point right Right. Take it up to wherever the cone is. Take it to that timestamp. Mm-hmm. If it's within the general vicinity, we show it. Yeah. I also think, and this is for broadcast meteorologists all around, we almost probably need to start showing the wind forecast which and is, the wind radi yeah. just more. Which is another idea that was presented at the conference was, okay, you know, you show the cone. Maybe you show the cone first. But then you start adding layers on top of the cone. So this is where the center of the storm may be, but especially like in an end type storm, if it's a big storm, show how far out the tropical storm and hurricane force winds are going to be. So even your town may not be in the cone, as in you may not have a direct hit from the center. You're still probably going to get significant wind. Mm. Um, which is something that we deal with a lot. How many yeah. storms around here have passed 25 or 50 miles offshore, and we're still gusting 70 or 80 miles per hour, and we're still getting storm surge. Last year alone. Center never even touched us, yeah. you know, with Dorian. Dorian was or big Or Isaias. You know, we never got touched by the center. But we had plenty of power outages. But we had significant impacts. Yeah. So that's kind of where, you know, the, the focus is going to have to be, I think, is the impacts for an area as opposed to, okay, the center is going to be right here. And this is the beauty of meteorology. Yeah. Because in retrospect, like the National Hurricane Center is doing their job to a T. Yep. 
no changes should be made on their part. Nope. But we get to relay a really accurate cone and say, okay, how, what's the easiest way to relay that to someone who doesn't follow right. tropical weather right. like we do? Yeah, because we also have to think, especially if people are watching us on the news or, you know, or if they're following us on Facebook, you know, if they're watching you in the morning or me in the evening, yep. they're getting the kids ready and they're cooking dinner and they're getting ready for work and they're kind of hearing us. They're not sitting down focused oh. on exactly what we're doing. If we're posting it on Facebook, it's a quick stroll. Okay, there's the cone. Looks like it's going offshore. Okay, next. Yeah. Well, what good are we doing then? You know, so, yeah, there's a lot to think about. I'm also thinking, like, we need to – I think about that a lot in the morning show. Mm -hmm. Just not even hurricanes alone. Most of the time, like, morning viewers – thank you, whoever watches. Yeah. Listen. Yeah. They don't watch. Right. So, until they hear something that makes them turn mm – Mm-hmm. I'm thinking on big days, especially mornings, mm -hmm. we almost need like, and we've done this before, but I didn't think about like city-based forecasts for mm -hmm. tropical storms, hurricanes. Yeah. Hey, Florence, here's a look at how yeah. your day is going to go down a hill. Yep. I think around one o'clock, you're going to see tropical yeah. storm force one. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. And 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 the really cool thing is, like I said, you know, you would think after all this time of the National Hurricane Center forecasting tropical storms and hurricanes, and ah, we got this, you know, and, eh, it's the cone, it is, but the process of the cone and the psychology behind it, and the we've talked in previous podcasts about the art of meteorology, yeah. the art of forecasting um, is constantly evolving, which is what made this conference so exciting for me. It was like, and it just really sparked a lot in my yeah. head about what we can be doing mm. To, because ultimately our job, especially in big events like that, is to keep you safe, break it down, here's what you need to know, and here are your impacts, and this is your threat. This is what you can see. Mm -hmm. As simple as possible. As simple as possible. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. I don't know what to say to that. Yeah. I mean, it's when you step back and look at it, it's also like, oh, this is daunting. Like, yeah. Are we ever going to get to a point where people understand the cone? Not everybody's going to understand it, no. Yeah. But the clearer that we can be, I think, in our delivery, in our message, in our posts, in our on-air delivery, the better. Maybe it's something like, I think of in severe weather, the outlooks from the Storm Predictions mm -hmm. are great. Yeah. Maybe we have to go to an impact-based outlook for where we draw... That hey, was hurricane impacts here. Yeah, that was one of the discussions there at the conference was, you know, especially if you have a storm that's kind of out in the Atlantic, mm -hmm. the five-day forecast maybe doesn't bring it towards, let's say, the East Coast. Yeah. But it's kind of pointing that direction. You know, we're not quite to the point where we can make a seven-day cone, but maybe if it looks like down the road it may be a threat like, okay, and this is something the National Hurricane Center is actually considering themselves – is potential impact zone you know maybe all right seven to ten days from now georgia to south carolina you're mm. on high alert yeah you know and that way it's an additional layer of sort of heads up dang yeah. really good stuff yeah crazy and i remember seeing the graphics but i didn't know that's what all of that was yeah i just thought it was like a hey here's how good we're getting yep no yeah yeah i was just sitting every day just kind of sitting in awe like Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Dang. Yeah. Yeah. We got a lot of work to do. We do. A lot of work to do. I do want to talk because um, 
we're not alone. We're we're not the only weather geeks when it comes mm-hmm. to tropical weather. You got to sit down with some of the best tropical weather geeks. Also, you texted me about your dinner. The the dinner on Thursday night is <laughs> is when I write the book of Jamie, and I always joke about the book of Jamie. <laughs> Still looking for is, a publisher. Yeah. Um, this is going to go down as one of my probably one of my top dinners. Um, it was you got to pick which restaurant you wanted to go to in South Padre Island. I picked a great little Italian restaurant. You didn't know who you were going to go with because it was broken up into different restaurants and you didn't know who was going to be in your group. So we went down to the lobby to meet and I was kind of looking to see who would be in my group. And then here comes Brian Norcross Mm -hmm. into my group, which for outside of the business, maybe that name doesn't ring too much of a bell. Um, Brian Norcross shot to stardom in this business uh, because he worked at a TV station in Miami mm-hmm. in the early 90s when Hurricane Andrew hit and became a rock star for how direct and clear his messaging was and his forecasting was. And one of the things that he did, and I remember him making national news for this, South Florida was evacuating out of the way of Hurricane Andrew. Again, this was 92, so we've mm-hmm. come a long way in hurricane preparedness. Um, but if you've ever been to South Florida, it's toll road after toll road after yep. toll road. Brian Norcross got on the air and said, Governor, shut down the tolls. Reverse the lanes. We've got to get everybody out of Miami. We've got to get everybody out of South Florida. And literally called the governor of Florida out on the air. Uh, because, you know, you had these miles-long backups because people are dropping quarters into toll roads when they're trying to evacuate and you're trying to get millions of people out of the way. Mm -hmm. Um, So the governor was like, "Hmm, I guess we should do this. Um, So that was really part of what jump-started lane reversals during evacuations. Um, They were the only, his, Brian Norcross's station was the only one that stayed on the air through Hurricane Andrew. Um, The studio was basically starting to collapse around them, but they had a very safe area sort of in the back of the studio and it was Brian and a telephone and an anchor in a bunker in Hurricane Andrew, and he was taking phone calls one-on-one from viewers who were terrified. My house Mm -hmm. is crumbling around me. What do I do? And he was literally talking to them one-on-one on the air saying, okay, go to your bedroom, and if you can, get your mattress off your bed and get into your hallway and put that mattress over you, and you're going to be okay. And was just personally telling person Mm -hmm. after person, after person what to do. And he was telling me these stories at dinner, stories that I had heard and seen. I had never met the guy before. And so he was telling me these stories personally, and it was just amazing. He eventually had a movie made about him and about Hurricane Andrew. I can't remember the name of it, but, yeah, amazing. That was on this side of me. I was about to say, you didn't even. That was on this side of me. Across from me is Josh Morgerman. Uh, who has shot to stardom um, for his hurricane chasing abilities. Uh, He's been chasing hurricanes for a long time, born and raised up north, but just had a passion for hurricanes. Um, And I think in, I can't remember the numbers. I don't know if you have that one printed out. I think he's been in 70 eyes. I want to say it's 70 eyewalls. 70 eyes that Mm -hmm. he has been in, um, in all of his hurricane chases. And he, he, does it all over the world so he'll chase typhoons you know in the philippines he'll chase cyclones is what they're called down in australia obviously all the hurricanes here 
Um, but he's not just out there kind of willy-nilly. Mm-hmm. What has really catapulted him to sort of stardom in this business is he tries to get into the absolute center eye of every hurricane that he chases and he takes really valuable measurements yeah he's getting the good videos that we like to watch Mm -hmm. and that he's that's kind of where he makes his money um but he's taking incredibly valuable data how low the pressure is how strong the winds were um so the national hurricane center uh, has really grown fond of him um because of the data that he provides a lot of times from really sparse areas you know you're Mm -hmm. chasing a hurricane on the west coast of mexico there's no towns, there's no roads, there's certainly no weather observing systems there. Yeah. So he's getting these incredible pockets of data that otherwise wouldn't be there. Uh, so he is really shot to start him. If you're interested in him, uh, Google I, the letter I, yep. Cyclone, on YouTube, and you will be blown away uh, by some of his storm chasing videos. I because, saw where he was launching a new show now. Uh, he's got man. his own show. He's already had one on, um, I think BBC followed him around yeah. for a year. And so, yeah, so he was across from me and hearing his stories about chasing and being in some of the world's strongest hurricanes was incredible. Mm. Yeah. That was a good, like, we've done it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, we, this should have, could easily have been like a two or three parter. For the for yeah, this. so we may have to kind of branch out on this maybe as we get closer into the actual start of hurricane season. I wouldn't season. mind that, especially yeah. it may be fun for us to brainstorm what mm-hmm. we're going to do, mm-hmm. and then talk about hey, here's some things you'll see from us this upcoming. And, and season. here's the thing too for if you're listening or watching, um, let me know if you understood the cone because I think maybe for you know maybe we should do something in the future or do it a couple times about kind of maybe an on air or social media about how the cone is formed and what it really means and yeah. you know let, let let me know if you understood that and if you don't understand the cone then we're going to how can you. we make it better yeah then, well we're going to make it that is my goal this hurricane seed i, I want it. this to be the most hurricane savvy place in the country yeah which i will say kudos to all three stations yeah yeah if you saw the picture yeah. love myself it. ed Petrowski, james hopkins from btw uh we're all there the only hurricane prone city in the country at the conference to have all three tv stations that says a lot yeah in attendance a lot. so it was good anything you want to add we got four minutes <sighs> that's a lot i feel like we covered a lot and i feel like we i kinda, apologize yeah, if you're just spinning. i feel like i kind of dominated this one no but I just, we needed I wanted, to because i wanted I to get a lot there. out yeah i yeah, wasn't there so, at all yeah so it's it's all about the cone and how are we gonna make the cone better and how are we going to explain the cone better I feel like that's our job. That's our goal going forward is keep it simple. Yeah. We got to keep it simple. I do want to say the numbers did not change with the uh, forecast. We were talking about um, probabilities. Yeah. One in three shot of landfall in South Carolina. Yep. It's almost one in five or just slightly below one in five for Horry County. Yeah. So, which is near the average. So, it only and, takes one. and again, right. Busy season, not busy season. Number of storms, it's important. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. One. If it's one here, bad season. And we'll watch every single one that forms. Yep. That's our goal. Yep. So, man. Woo. Episode seven. Man, I'm tired now. <laughs> we got into some hardcore stuff. I know. And I was like, we could keep going. Yeah. I just got more ideas for episodes, but it's I okay. Um, next episode, we are actually going to do the interviews. Our first guest. Our first guest. Yeah. Robert Whitehurst will be here. Um, then we're going to do grilled cheese Matthew Bullock. Talk to him about his yep. grilled cheese comment. Yep, yep. Uh, it'll be know, fun. You know yeah, if you know, you know. Yep. If not, that's You'll a deep tease. Yep. So, 
That does it for us here on Are yeah, You Serious? Let us know. Again, let me know if you um, figured out the comb with us, if you understand it. Yeah. Are You Serious? A weather conversation between you and us. Thank you all. Y'all have a good one. See ya.